We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. For years, Brooke's been behind the scenes, helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center, and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brook Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically conservative perspective. Uh, I'm your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable, and columnist, which you can read on my website at brooktalksamerica.com. Make sure you connect on social media. All of them are there, Facebook, Twitter, email. You can get all of it on the site. And if you would like to partner with the show and be a sponsor, let me know if you want to help get this conservative message out there. I am here with my co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk, who's the former deputy director for intelligence at U.S. Central Command, served on the White House National Security Council, and is currently the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP chairman. He writes for AmericaOutloud.com, and his articles will soon be on my website starting next week, I'm sure. So you know the drill from Hot Topics to History. You can be sure if it's happening in America, I will be talking about it. You can listen to our archive podcast of this show on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. And also, I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. Colonel Jim is on Wednesdays at 5 a.m., both on this station, Salem Media Group, or uh, on AM860, The Answer. Uh, my article this week is Reclaiming My Time. You know I'm going to have nightmares about that saying. Uh, so it's Reclaiming My Time, Disrespectful Democrats Go Low with Barr. Did you see the Barr hearing? Have you ever seen anything like that with those House Democrats? So what inspires the thought, like, I can't wait to vote for those people, like watching those fools? It's It was like uh, Kavanaugh 2.0. You need to remember this in November and vote them out. So let's get to the jelly people. Uh, we're joined today by Gid Poole, who's an internationally touring comedian. He began doing comedy at the age of 61. I can't wait to find out that story. Uh, he's the winner of two comedy festivals. He was featured in a front page story in the Wall Street Journal, also featured on the Today Show. He entertained at the AARP National Convention in New Orleans, appeared at the world's largest comedy festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. He usually spends about 80 days a year on the celebrity cruises. Uh, of course, not this year because of the China virus. Uh, he was the... He's a comedy teacher at the Venice Theater, which is the second largest community theater in the country, which is very cool. He is also an Air Force veteran, so thank you for your service. And with that, I want to welcome to the welcome you to the show, Gid. Thanks for coming on. Well, you read that just like I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because I did get it from your site. Very good. Yes, yes. That's the first Hey, listen, I am a shameless personal promoter, so go right ahead. And I'm going to promote GidPool.com, which is your website, G-I-D-P-O-O-L.com. So there you go. That's, that's correct. It shows my schedule, such that it is. That's right, and we will be talking about that. You also have a book, and this is going to be, I'm sure, the premise of uh, you know the t beginning of our talk, which is that it's called Act to making the rest of your life spectacular. And as I mentioned here, obviously you got started doing comedy at 61, which is pretty interesting. How did that happen? Well, uh, incidentally, the book is available on Amazon.com. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and, and you better buy it now because the more I sell, they keep raising the price. Oh, really? That's <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, I, like I said, I, I was in the Air Force and a bunch of other stuff, and... Uh, 
what happened was AARP was was promoting a segment on today's show called uh, Your Life, your, something about your life happening or some weird name. And, and uh, they actually found me. They, I got a call one day from their producer. Uh, Jane Pauley was the one that interviewed me. They shot the bit. It took about two months to shoot it, and they put me on. And the reason they put me on is they were looking for somebody who had changed their life late in life. And I got into comedy at 61 because I had been working all of my life. And I had always said to myself, I really would love to do do comedy. I want to be a comedian. I grew up watching people like Jerry Clower and, and people like that. And I always wanted to be a comedian, never knew how to do it. Took a comedy class. And a week later, I got out of real estate and started doing comedy. And that was 15 years ago. Wow. And that's very inspirational. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I can't do that. But your story definitely shows that you can. And that's a that's a rough gig. Comedy's not easy. <laughs> well, when when uh, Jane Pauley, you know, interviewed me, she said, you need to write a book about your experience. Because what I, I kept telling her was that, you know, mostly people retire between 65 and 70 on average. And uh, now, you know, when I was growing up in the 40s and 50s, by 70, people were literally dead. I mean, right. you know, that was the life expectancy. Well, now people live in 85, 90, you know, so you're going to have a lot of years to fill with something. And, and I understand that sitting on your rocking chair on the front porch may seem appealing right now, but your third year into that, it's going to be boring. Yeah. And I told Jane, I said, I believe everybody has something that they want to do that they've always wanted to do. They just haven't had the guts to do it. And I told her, I said, look, it doesn't have to be something big. Like me getting into comedy, that probably would scare most people, and I certainly understand it. Uh, But, you know, I had a guy, and I do the speaking on celebrity cruises, and he called me after my speech. He said, I always wanted to grow roses. And I said, well, just go get some speeches. No, I want to grow, you know, where they take one rose and make it another rose and come up with a third rose and they name it. And that's what he does now. He's got a rose garden. Wow. It's all the stuff that he made himself. I hope he so doesn't it's, use it's, the China seeds that they're sending out. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah but, you know, you've got these things. And if you've got, the, you've got to need something in your life that makes you not want to go to bed at night and can't wait to get out of bed in the morning. And for me, that's comedy. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. You know, I uh, I reached out to Captain Matt because I have been talking, you know, I've been working on this thing. He, I asked him for a conservative comedian. He recommended that I get in touch with you. And, and one of the things that I'm working on is a, I think it's absolutely necessary and the time is right for a full conservative marketplace, right? So you're a conservative comedian. We need, we're seeing in the marketplace, we're getting strangleholded in every aspect conservatives are from banking, commerce, speech, entertainment, comedy. There, and you would know this, there are very few comedians that would come out as conservative or actors, Absolutely. Or anybody that's in the entertainment sphere. And we need a place where we can be and we can be engaged in commerce and be able to do whatever it is and, and not be afraid to be canceled because that, you know, and we're going to get well, into these different subjects, but it's, it's essential that people have a place to go to spend their money, both to support, you know, people like that and to be in the environment themselves. So we're not at risk, you know, for the whims of the left. Well, you know, for years and years, we all know about that term, the glass ceiling, which normally applied to females in the workplace. Yeah. That you may think you're going up, but there's a point you're not, and because there's that glass ceiling. Comedy is very much like that. 
because if you if you are a ultra conservative and I, I don't know what ultra if you're a conservative comedian, all right, you're going to have a hard time in some of these comedy clubs because the week before and the week before that you had the ultra liberals spouting their stuff, mm-hmm. and you got the same audience coming back, and suddenly you're on the other end of the spectrum. It's like I don't think so. So you're right. If I can, oh my gosh, I could envision a complete circuit, a complete circuit around the country. Of a conservative, you know, somebody holds an event, uh, like like uh, Captain, you know, Captain America there, you know, holds an event. You know, it's four or five hundred people. You bring the conservative comedian, they make enough so they don't have to go to comedy clubs, and yeah, you've got them, you know, giving the conservative view on stage. Well, and I tell you, that's really my mission. You know, I, 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 there are conservative, there are liberal billionaires everywhere, as far as the eye can see. Where are the conservative billionaires? And we need, you need to have seed money. You need to have people that are into it. But I. There is, you know, there is some good news because I think that, like I said, we're at a time where this is actually not only going to be necessary, but people are going to be motivated because of that. And I don't know if you know this guy, Antonio Sabato Jr. He is a conservative actor. He, I think he started in soaps. He spoke at the RNC in 2016 and has been canceled ever since. He is starting yep. a conservative movie studio. Uh, Dave Rubin was deplatformed from, I think it was, I don't want to say it might have been PayPal. It was some kind of uh, payment processing system, and and he couldn't do that anymore. And now he and Jordan Peterson are working on some kind of payment platform. And I think that there are other things that are happening. But, uh, you know, it's it's two things. You know, I I look at, I support only, I don't support Hollywood. I only support movies that are either like conservative, pro-military, pro-America, and the Christian movies, I support them. I don't think a lot of them, I'm just being honest, are very well acted. They're To me, they're not very in, entertaining, but it's important, and I spend my, I vote with my dollar by doing that. Well, if we create this platform, we can vote with our dollar for our stuff. We can have good content. There are smart, funny people, good comedians, good actors, and all of that stuff. There's no reason that we can't have that. We just need money, and we need people to get it together. So that's one of the things that I'm working on in my way, and uh, you know, that's something that we need to get out there. Well, because you know, one of the things in business and, and is the fact that businesses develop to fill a void. Yes. Okay, that's that's how businesses are developed. There's a void and somebody does something to fill it. Well, right now, the, the traditional comedy club scene is in disarray. Most of them are closed. There's a few down here trying to do some limited shows. So what's happening is you're having a built-up need and desire for comedy that's not being fulfilled. And there's enough conservative people out there that will go to a comedy club that they know they're not going to have to put up with this left-wing idiocy. You know, so all we have to do is is, is paint a sign. Yeah. Put it in. Put it. We'll do a show in your backyard. How's it? We start with that. Well, we may we may do that. I'll talk to Matt about it. But the other reason, though, this is the thing, is that it's not even. So we're talking about conservative. We're talking about comedy in general. I mean. The, the left is strangleholding everything to the point where you have people like Jerry Seinfeld who won't go to college. The comedians are not 
they're so afraid of getting canceled because they say something irreverent and subversive. I mean, Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock's specials, which are the greatest in history, could never have been made in this time, you know. But you see with situations like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr's special last year were astronomically successful. And the reason why is because what you just said is the liberal just orthodoxy of suppressing speech, censorship, cancel culture, and all of that stuff, people are so sick of it that you might even get to the point where they say, I don't care who it is. I just want to hear someone funny, even if they're a conservative. Well, and see, this this shows you the hypocrisy of the left because Chappelle and Burr are both so popular yeah. that if you produce one of their specials, you're going to make a lot of money. Right. Well, suddenly your political view on these people doesn't matter. Okay, because you're going to make money. Now, if I try to do that, I'm not going to make money, and all of a sudden my views are wrong. The the thing about this whole concept of the people not going to, to campuses, okay, here's how that works, and and this is why we're we're so screwed when it comes to comedy. They will have a usually they have a convention every year where where the people that buy entertainment for colleges come to you know, come to like a a Minnesota you know, in a big convention center, and there'll be three or 400 uh, colleges representatives. We'll have four or five from each college, and you'll get up on the stage and do four or five minutes, and they'll make some notes, and then you you smooth with them and try to get booked. That's how it works. So you've got a 19 to 22-year-old booking you into a college. Now, why do comedians take those shows? Because you make a lot of money doing that. The problem is it's the worst room in the house. Yeah. Because now you're in there and you've got two or three or 400 19 or 20-year-olds who don't know anything other than how to yell racist, sexist, that's prejudice. And get offended. And they don't even, yeah, and they don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. They just, they've heard it. It's, they're, it's like a parrot. You, you say, probably want a cracker, and you'll go, probably want a cracker. You yell racist, they yell racist. Okay? They, they don't know what they're talking about because they're now educated off of Twitter. Right. That's which is that, and Twitter's actually running the government, but that's a story for another day. That would totally be another show for sure. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, you know, and, and we're kind of running short on time here, but the thing you talk about it is the education system. They're being indoctrinated in education, in, in the education field, that everything is something to be upset and, and offended by. And you can't laugh if you're in that situation. Funny stuff is funny stuff. It doesn't matter who it's about. Funny stuff is funny stuff. You know? Here's, here's, yeah, here's the danger if comedy goes away, okay? Social change is driven by comedy because nothing brings something down more, more than making fun of it, okay? The bully in high school, once you start making fun of the bully, he stops bullying. The, our, our, our integration system in the 60s and 70s, because comedians made fun of what white people were doing to African Americans, that focused on getting the change that they were looking for. So you take the you take the court gesture out of the out of the mix and suddenly there's nobody pointing out the obvious problems in society. Yeah. Because it's they won't let them do it. That's a really good point. So uh we we're coming up short on time. I just want to say you have a show coming up in September, right? Yep, eleventh and twelfth, Riverside Theater, Vero Beach, Florida. Okay, and I'll put that up. Be sure to follow Gid on Facebook and Twitter uh, and go to his website, gidpool.com, and again, read his book, 
Act two, making the rest of your life spectacular, especially if you need some inspiration, which we all do. I want to thank you, Gid, so much for coming on the show, and we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. You have a nice day and stay safe. Take care. God bless. You are listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. And we will be right back to talk with our second guest, Donnie the Don. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Just by chance you crossed the diamond with the pearl. You turned it on the world. That's when you turned the world around. To Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by email info at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. And you are, we are joined today as our next guest with Donnie the Don. She is on Twitter at at Donnie the Don, D-O-N-I, the Don, D-O-N. Check out her website, DonnieTheDon.com. I came across her video uh, on Twitter after some kerfuffle where Linkin Park, you know, the snowflakes were complaining d- that Trump was using their song for a campaign video, you know, and, and I was like, well, it's the only reason anybody's paying attention to your song, guys, and I think she said that. She is a young black conservative and is well on her way to becoming a big social media influencer. It doesn't hurt that she's, like, drop-dead gorgeous, of course, which is very nice, uh, but she's also very smart and well-informed. She is a Trump supporter and conservative, of course, as I said, and co-leader of Conservative SIP and an entrepreneur. So I want to welcome Donnie to the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me, you guys. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, before we get started, I want to play a couple of clips to sort of uh, set up the conversation here. One of them is by Obama at the John Lewis funeral. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. So that's what he's calling the rioters and looters. Isn't that great? Yeah, um, he's lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking about this yesterday about BLM and uh, and what had happened, how, how George Floyd came to be about four or five days after what happened. Uh, Joe Biden said, you ain't black. That's right. And that happened immediately. Three days later. Yep. (laughs) So we're in a situation now where he is going hard after Trump. And I I played that, you know, obviously it happened this week that John Lewis died. And they had, I think, the same amount of funerals for him probably that they had for George Floyd. Um, You know, I don't know. He's probably going to have some more funerals. What the what the Democrats are unbelievable at. It's it's this biggest Stockholm syndrome ever. He's going out there complaining about a Democrat, two Democrats, actually, Bull Connor and George Wallace were Democrats. Right. But Obama can go out there and talk about it. And he's never going to say they're Democrats and the Democrat history. But what the Democrats do is they use race in every situation and they're using race now. Why? What's happening in November is there's an election. Right. So that's what it's all about. You know. 
Yeah, and I think it's really unfair how they attack Trump for wanting to have rallies, but they turn around and use these funerals as rallies, and they raise all this money for their campaign. And I don't know about you, but if someone gets on stage and talks about politics at some of my loved one's funeral, I'm going to be very upset. But I did look at the crowd. They were cheering them on. No, they even did that at Aretha Franklin's funeral. You remember Sharpton and them were there? Sharpton, Clinton were there? Mm-hmm. Sharpton was talking about politics at Aretha Franklin's funeral. The best singer in history. And they're talking about that. And that's what they're doing. They're taking, they did it at Cummings' funeral. You know, they did it at John McCain's funeral too, of course. But these are civil rights leaders. And this is why they're doing it, right? These are civil rights leaders. You know, I personally don't think, you know, I don't really think much of John Lewis or Elijah Cummings myself. John Lewis got beat up. If they're going to have state funerals for everybody that got beat up, you know, maybe they need to have some funerals for Trump supporters who are getting beat up, right? And Trump is Trump is doing more for black Americans than the Democrats have done in 50 years. That's my opinion. But this, you know, it's all about a get out the vote effort, right? So they're honoring mm-hmm. they're honoring Lewis in that case. All these people are together. So and you mentioned it. You can't go to church, right? But you can go to a funeral and have hundreds of people there. You can go out in the street as long as it's a Democrat. You can't protest. You know, we talked about it on the show before. You can't protest that your business is shut down. But if you're a Democrat, you can go out in the street thousands deep, neck to neck, cheek to cheek, literally. Right. And that's okay. I I call that liberal privilege. Yes, that's exactly what it is. You know, they talk about privilege all the time. Yeah, all the time they, they talk about white privilege, but I'm sorry, it's a liberal privilege because a lot of things they do and get away with is because of liberals. Yeah. Um, imagine it was, you know, Herman Cain just passed recently, and a bunch of these leftists on their social media were basically pissing on his grave. Excuse my French. No. Sorry. <laughs> um, on his grave and just talking down on him. Now, if that was one of theirs, how do you think they would have acted? They would have called us racist. We don't do that to people. Like, I don't care for those other people who passed away, but I'm not going to say anything at all because it's disrespectful to them and their family. Right. But then they turn around and do it to Herman Cain. Yeah, and the stuff that they said about him was unbelievable. That's what they do against all black conservatives, though. It's okay to say whatever horrible, disgusting things you want in that direction. Right. Going to uh, uh, lose his funeral... But why would he want to go to a Democratic campaign? That's basically what the funeral was. Right. Well, that's what it is. And this whole BLM thing is just a big money-making scheme, too. They've got like $2 billion now from BLM. It frustrates me so much that they keep using black people all the time. They're using black people um, based off the cities that they're in, which were ran by Democrats, that they're saying that they're systematically um, oppressed. Um, and there's still racism going on. They're using this. But what the money is going to is going to the um, Democratic um, campaign people, such as Bernie Sanders, Biden, Warren, Kamala Harris. The majority of those people are old white people. So what is Black Lives Matter really doing is funding their campaigns. It's uh, all these big corporations dumping all this money into it. They're investing into a, an election. That's right. And because they need to win. And in my opinion, it's because of they have a lot of business relationships with China. And so, therefore, they need Trump out of the way. So they're investing into their business with this election. 
Yes. And I, I want to play another clip. Uh, you probably have seen this about the, the Portland officer, Jakari Jackson. One of the things that's happening in the, in the, you know, the society right now. So obviously that Chauvin killed George Floyd, right? Everybody saw it on TV. After that, there was a well-coordinated, nothing spontaneous about those riots, absolutely nothing, well-coordinated riot and looting campaign going through, using, as you mentioned, black lives. He was a black man. The cop was a white guy. So you have that, that millions of billions of dollars worth of destruction, including, you know, a lot of black businesses that the Democrats don't care about, a lot of black lives Democrats don't care about and everything. But the, the interesting thing is that, and I, you know, talked about this on the show a lot of white people are at these quote-unquote black lives matter events right and i want to play this clip by portland officer jakari jackson who really talks about that i got i got to see folks that really do want change like the rest of us that have been impacted by racism um and then i got to see those people get faded out by people that have no idea what racism is all about, never experienced racism, that don't even know that the tactics that they are using are the same tactics that were used against my people. So a lot of times someone of color, black, Hispanic, Asian, come up to the fence and directly want to talk to me. Hey, what do you think about George Floyd? What do you think about what happened about this? I go up to the fence, someone white comes up, F the police, don't talk to him. That was the most bizarre thing because I could I could see it I could see it coming. I even had a young African American girl uh, tell me why is it you guys aren't talking to us. I said honestly, this is now the twenty I think it was twenty third day of doing it. Every time I try to have a conversation with someone that looks like me, someone white comes up and blocks them and tells them not to talk. And then right when I said that, this white girl popped right in front of her. She said. He just said that was going to happen. I said, told you. I told you. She, and she looked at the girl and said, why did you do that? And I, 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 straight up, I said, you know, I've been called the N-word. She's been called the N-word. Why are you talking to me this way? Why do you feel that she can't speak for herself to me? Why is it that you feel you need to speak for her when we're having a conversation? And she couldn't answer my question. And that's basically what it is, is that you have these two groups that are working together. BLM and Antifa are kind of working together, right? So Antifa is the, they're using the BLM as the cover to do their violence in the areas that they're in. And then BLM is marching, but they're like, they're both under the Democrat umbrella and they're both funded by the Democrats, right? So it doesn't make sense though. And and I'm seeing in a lot of situations videos like the Crips in LA were kicking these soy boy Antifa guys out. You had the woman that brought the brick back to those people that gave it to the to the young black man in the community. But when is it gonna happen that the people that are seeing this happen are going to push back and say we're not going to be affiliated with Antifa anymore and we don't believe in Black Lives Matter anyways because it has nothing really to do with black people. It has to do with communists and Marxism. Now, I don't have any statistics, numbers on this, but I will tell you, I think more people are waking up than we know. There's a silent majority with conservatives, right? But I think there's a very big silent majority in the black community as well. I, um, you know, I know black people, obviously. I hang out with them. I have family. And I hear their perspectives and what they're thinking about what's going on right now. And, like, 
last night I was at my conservative Smith meeting. Five black women were at that meeting. I saw I that used tweet. I basically the only person that was black in my group, period. And then now they turned to three of us. Now, now there's five. People are waking up. Now also, um, we didn't have couples in our group as much either. We're getting a lot more couples coming to our group too. People are seeing this. They're knowing what's going on. They're like, I, I will try to find a, a, some, a place to go to talk because I'm making sure I'm not crazy. I'm not the only person seeing this. And then we're all going to come together. And I honestly really, truly believe like people like uh, Terry Crews who's been speaking up yes. and saying things like people are going to look at that and be like, hold on, this doesn't make sense. Why are these people over here saying this? They're going to be curious and want to look. And the left wants you not to look. They want you to keep speaking what they're talking about, keep spilling their narrative. And once someone else tries to come up and say something else, they cover your mouth. Nope. I'll speak for you. No, you don't speak for us. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because the, the Democrats have been painting a narrative for so long, right? And it's coming undone in their in their respect. But they they're talking right now about defunding the police. And it's amazing. I watch this and I'm just stunned. Because they seem to think they're talking about defunding the police in areas that they run. And a lot of black community areas are run by Democrats. In fact, all of them are. What do they think that defunding the police is going to do to the communities that they run? And I played a, a clip a couple of weeks ago from Tupac, and he said, the same crime element white people are scared of, uh, black people, white people are scared of, black people are scared of. All the killers they're letting out, we're living next door to them. But just because we're black, we get along with the killers. We get along with the rapists just because we're from the same hood. What is that? We need protection, too. But all of these lead, quote unquote, leaders in the Democrat Party, white and black, are talking about defund the police. And Black Lives Matter is saying that. How how can anybody co- co-sign to that? That's going to destroy the whole community, not having cops. Get the bad ones out, but you have to have cops for safety. Where they talk to black community, people in the black community, and say, What do you guys feel about them defunding the police? Like, no. Yeah. Why do they do that? <laughs> no, no, we don't support that. Most people don't support that at all. Only people who support it are people going out there and trying to cause chaos because they want to break the law. Only people supporting our Democrats, they want to see chaos. They think this is going to hurt Trump. I believe it's backfiring. It's all about Trump, too. It's all about the election. There's nothing else. And and after I believe that and God, you know, God forbid Biden won. This would stop the next day. All of the rioting, the looting and everything would stop the next day. Right. It's just going to they've, they've they've said the narrative. It's Trump or peace, basically, to the country. You're going to have Trump or you're going to have peace, but you can't have them both. Brooke, when was the last time Black Lives Matter was even relevant? Yeah. Four years ago. Yes, of course, at the election. Yes, it's always an election year. All this stuff, it's, it goes crazy on election year. But right now, Trump is a huge threat. I think they really believe, just like we do, that he's uh, chosen by God to save this country. And they have to take all of their ammo, everything they can to try to defeat him. But they're not going to. Well, They're not going to beat Trump fairly. That's why they're trying to cheat. Well, that is 100 percent. And they just had a um, you know, he's been floating the idea of delaying the election so that he gets them all stirred up and and lets them know that he he sees what's going to happen. But I want to I want to say 
I believe, and I have been saying this for years, I believe it's the black Christian church that's going to be vital in this effort. And I know you're a Christian. You tweeted the uh, basketball player. I don't know what it is. It was Jay Judah. Um, I think his name is Judah. And he was talking about that. He was saying that he was not going to put on the T-shirt and he was not going to kneel because he doesn't believe in those values because he's a Christian. And that's the thing I think I'm seeing more than anything else is people are saying black lives matter. Yes, black lives matter. Of course they do. All Black Lives Matter, including in the womb, but also they are Marxist, anti-Christian communists. They don't want anything to do with Christianity. And those are the people, all Christians are going to have to stand against that because that's not what they stand for. And you will not be able to be a Christian in a Black Lives Matter or Antifa country. Oh, and they don't support a family union. Unit. Yeah. They don't want the father at the all. Yes. In fact, that was what the early segregate or the segregationist Democrats didn't like either. Isn't that convenient? You know what I've been thinking about with this election and how the Democrats are acting? It keeps giving me the visual back of the day when black people used to try to go vote. Yes. And then the, the KKK would come and would threaten to murder them, lynch them, or they did it yeah. so they wouldn't vote. Why would you? And those people were Democrats, okay? Why do you think that they're not doing that necessarily today. They're doing the same thing now. They're doing a mental manipulation and um, trying to make people think the way they want them to. It's the same thing. So you're uh, Uncle Tom if you don't think like them. And not only do the black people say it to other black people, the, the white liberals do it too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like them. this is the same way that them trying to interfere, interfere in an election by playing these kind of mind games. At the end of the day, black people do have to take responsibility for their lives. You, we, we're in a country where you have a choice. You can choose which path you take. And you can't make an excuse and say that this, this country oppresses you. When you have basketball players who are screaming you're oppressed, who are making millions of dollars to, jump, to dribble some air and level down a court and throw it in a hoop. Oh, my God. Or and to, and, to, yeah, to and their stuff is made by it. slave labor in China. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then you, and for me, common sense tells me if I'm looking at some black millionaire and he's telling me you're oppressed, you're not be able to do it. I'm thinking this fool doesn't want me to get up there with him. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to prove him wrong. Yeah. Well, we are just about out of time now. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Follow Donnie at at Donnie the Dawn and visit the website. And we'll be in touch and we'll talk soon. Take care, Donnie. Thank you for having me on. You have a great show. God bless. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Check out the blog at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Welcome. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. And before we get into it, Jim, we have a lot to cover. How awesome was that Trump rally yesterday? Yeah, it was phenomenal. And it was great. a great crowd. Hundreds there 
for a for a mini rally. It was originally slated to be uh, a small group to greet him at the airport, as typical is before he goes to an event, and it turned out to be, in all Trump fashion, a rally. Yeah. I tell you, you know, he is a warrior. I mean, it was uh, it felt like you were on top of the the sun yesterday. He's out there in 100 degree weather, 100 degree plus with just like the rest of us with the cops, the first responders and all the snipers that are on the roof. I mean, he is just he's like the I started thinking he's like the general. He's not going to do anything tell his troops to do anything that he's not doing. And I just had, it was awesome. I mean, it was so hot. It was crazy, but it was really awesome. And you know what? He's at 50% in Rasmussen poll yesterday, which is three points higher than Obama was at the same time in his presidency. You think baseman Biden is going to beat that? I don't think so. And, and the fact that he came out there to tell all of us how important our first yes. responders and law enforcement are. And he, he talked out, uh, to many of them who were there, he had them lined up with him, and he and he gave them the opportunity to speak and tell their story, and to honor and respect them at a time when these warriors themselves are putting their lives on the front lines to protect Americans and American cities and businesses. And you know we've all seen it with the demonstrations and riots across the country. He is out there letting them know he has his back. Yeah, and. You know, I know you can't say anything about this, so just tune out. But I don't understand why Cronister, uh, who's the sheriff, you know, Tampa's in Hillsborough, and that's where Trump was. He's the sheriff of Hillsborough. He wasn't there to introduce the president of the United States when Pasco and Brevard sheriffs. I'm not sure that was a good, uh, you know, I don't know what he's doing, why he couldn't be there. But I do think that that's going to hurt him. I know his his opponent was there. Uh so I know you can't respond to it, but I'm just personally venting because I was disappointed that we actually had sheriffs from other counties and not our own sheriff there. So anyways, um, you know, we have a little bit of time. I want to get into this. But before we get into the bar testimony, uh, did you see the Fauci testimony in front of Congress? Wasn't that insane? You know, Anthony Fauci has turned out to be um, just one of the Democrats, one of the naysayers, one of the people who is is becoming a thorn in the side, not only to the president, but he's a thorn in the side to every American because he's dishonest. In the world, they're following he's, him. He's, 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 I'll say it, he's a liar. And he's not being upfront with America on what's best for America. He's playing this game, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. It's okay if you wear a mask for this, but you can't wear a mask for that. You know, he's showing, as, as Donnie said, liberal privilege you can go out and riot in the streets and burn buildings and destroy america but you can't go to church because it's too dangerous and you would be disingenuous to your your fellow american to do that and it's he's really showing his true colors and his his hypocrisy no, he's a complete fraud, and Tucker dropped a complete Moab on him. Jim Jordan also destroyed him, and it, you know, it's good to have that video because I think people. I'm really hoping that people that actually th have thought well of him before now are looking and seeing that what this guy is saying is complete BS. Uh, he totally destroyed him yesterday, and that was good. He's talking about wearing goggles and everything, but he's, he won't condemn the protests and he won't say that maybe you shouldn't have protests. He kind of, he's like a bureaucrat 
and now he's showing he's a Democrat. So I don't really know what's happening with that, but I don't think that anybody should listen to him, and we should just totally ignore him and go about our business because he is harming the country, and the rest of the world is actually looking at him for advice, and he's harming the rest of the world, too. You are listening to Brooke Says on Brooke Talks America here with Colonel Jim, and we will be right back. More Brooke Talks America coming up. America. Visit on Facebook. Search Brooke Talks. And now, your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. We're on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. I'm here with my co-host, Colonel Jim. Be sure to check out the website, brooktalksamerica.com, for all the ways to get in touch. So, Jim, I want to play, before you know, we get into this, the next part, I want to play a couple of, a few clips from Barr, from that insane uh, hearing, if you can call it that, which is really, you know, Donnie talked about it earlier, it's all a campaign, all of the stuff that's going to be happening from now to the election is all a campaign. The Democrats just have control of the House, so what they're doing there is just another campaign rally. So, here's what uh, Barr said about the rioters. Clip Finally, four. I want to address a different breakdown in the rule of law that we've witnessed over the past two months. In the wake of George Floyd's death, violent rioters and anarchists have hijacked legitimate protests to wreak senseless havoc and destruction on innocent victims. The current situation in Portland is a telling example. Every night for the past two months, a mob of hundreds of rioters have laid siege to the federal courthouse and other nearby federal property. The rioters have come equipped for fight, armed with powerful slingshots, tasers, sledgehammers, saws, knives, rifles, and explosive devices. Inside the courthouse are a relatively small number of federal law enforcement personnel charged with with a defensive mission to protect the courthouse. What unfolds nightly around the courthouse cannot reasonably be called protest. It is, by any objective measure, an assault on the government of the United States. And, you know, here's a clip called Reclaiming My Time. Reclaiming My Time. In April... Times is when does something actually become... Reclaiming My Time. I'm psyched. This is not a trick question. In this country... I'm reclaiming my time, Mr. General. Without any remedy at all. I'm reclaiming my time. Let me share with you... You gotta let him answer. Reclaiming My Time... You reclaiming my time, sir. Reclaiming my time. He found uh, reclaiming no my time without political bias. He said he and found in no April, evidence. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Turner. In That's reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Barr. Occurring substances. Sir, Attorney General, reclaiming my time. <laughs> there are rules by which we operate here. I would ask you to respect them. But There's the no 64 Act Excuse did not me. extend to... Reclaiming my time, sir. In both documents... Well, Mr. Attorney General, reclaiming my time. Talking reclaiming about. my time. I you think that's what it's... Uh, okay, uh, reclaiming my time. And again, I'm happy... Shame on you, Mr. Barr. Can I just say... Mr. Shame on you. Can I just my say... My time Mr. is expired. 
So that's Oompa Loompa. The last little nugget is Oompa Loompa Nadler saying that to the Attorney General of the United States. I had to play that. I know it's so annoying, but this, these are the Democrat representatives in our country that are talking to the Attorney General in this way. They complain and say that he hasn't been there before. When they invite him, this is how they treat him. But, you know, Jim, you've been talking about the Antifa and the BLM for a long time and, you know, how they train in Syria and how they're not... None of this is, is is spontaneous at all. We already know that. That's clear. But these are writers. I mean, they're carrying very dangerous weapons in there. And they're giving Trump and Barr all kind of crazy about him bringing federal forces in there. They have to protect them. So he, he has, another, you know, I'm not going to play it, but he says, since when is it okay to try and burn down a federal court? This is the guy who's the attorney general. He's supposed to protect the country. What is it, What else are they going to do? Well, let me first say, every one of those Democrats, and I want people out there listening to understand, every one of them are no different than Antifa, the rioters, those uh, doing the unrest. All of those members of the U.S. Congress who are Democrats need to resign now. They need to be impeached. Their antics were despicable. They were unprofessional. They were the lowest of the low for elected officials to carry on such antics before a uh, invited guest to speak before the Congress. That's not how you conduct hearings. Hearings are supposed to be for Americans to understand better what's going on. And that's what the attorney general was trying to do. And he was prevented from doing it by this nonsense. And then Nancy Pelosi, after this was over, went out and talked about how that, how a despicable bar was. Was here we have a man who's trying to explain to the American people, and he's being interrupted constantly. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and a number of other groups uh, are there to create havoc, to destroy the country. Uh, they, they're not peaceful protesters, there America. Is they're no, not. They, Nothing about it is peaceful. The peaceful protests went away a long time ago, days after George Floyd's um, demise. Uh, this is by design to create total destruction to the country. Uh, we've seen it in Portland. We've seen it in Seattle. We've seen it in Chicago. We've seen it in Phoenix and Colorado. And you can go down the list of states and cities where this is going on. Uh, this is to disrupt the election. Uh, this is to create a situation where uh, we are totally, uh, you know, total chaos in the country. They're calling for the defunding and removal of police. When you think of that, what goes on, what police do, what law enforcement does, think about calling 911 when you have an emergency situation, when you have an intruder in your house, you have an emergency situation with a family member who may be uh, dying who were, was hurt or whatever. This is what they are against. They don't want organized law and order in our country. They want total destruction. They want total chaos. And that's what they're trying to do. It's all about disrupting President Trump. And as Brooke talked about earlier in the show, we just watched Trump's numbers go up to 50 percent. And I guarantee <laughs> that crazy. number is actually higher um, based on what I'm hearing from people. And I'm in Hillsborough County, a pretty liberal left-wing county based on the leadership here people are fed up with it people are not taking this anymore they want to be back to order they want their kids back in school they want to be able to go to their jobs every day they want their life back and the democrats are not letting them have that no and you know speaking of the, the all of this is happening because initially because of the virus 
uh, I'm not I I'm not going to play the clip, but Diane Feinstein ha- actually said after all of this China is growing into a respectable nation. Now, she had a Chinese spy on her staff. These are the same people that lied to the world. They killed half a million people so far and allowed dogs not only to be stolen, pets, from people, their citizens, but tortured and burned alive, uh, boiled alive. So I don't think they're growing into a respectable nation. Now they're sending seeds. I mean, what's going on with that? I think that's biowarfare. But they're randomly sending seeds to people in the United States. What's up with that? One, one more effort on the part of the Chinese to create some type of um, havoc or uh, disorganization. I would highly recommend anybody who gets any seeds in the mail um, that they didn't order from a company to legitimately buy and purchase seeds for, for planting in their yards. I would throw them out destroy them do whatever because report it though actually and certainly yeah. yes report it and let people let let the law and order folks the police your whoever know and by all means don't plant them and try to do whatever whether it grows into some kind of fruit or whatever don't eat it i mean i would say i would say just destroy it yeah so very quickly we have about 30 seconds left can you uh summarize what's happening in germany because the left and, and the right is going crazy about that Okay, there's a lot of misconception of what's going on in Germany. The U.S. says we're pulling uh, 12,000 troops out. Uh, They're moving them. Half of them are roughly going back to the United States. The rest are going to go to either Italy uh, and Poland. It's a reorganization that happens every year, repositioning of forces. This is all designed to strengthen NATO's eastern flank against Russia. And that's Trump's... Being tough on Russia, not what the Democrats are trying to say and have been saying. Trump is really tough on Russia, trying to keep Putin in a box, and he's doing it through uh, reorganization in NATO. All right. Well, you have it. We need two more hours, as we always say, because there's just so much going on. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. Check us out on the website, brooktalksamerica.com, here on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. By Twitter, at Talks America. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.